Welcome, everyone, to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Displacing confusion, chaos, and dis-ease is instrumental to rest. Mm-hmm. I've reasoned that that's so foundationally important is because I have observed that if we do not acquire the disciplines of relational, emotional, and spiritual truth and understanding the principles that facilitate that, that we slowly die. Our spirit, our soul, and our body literally slowly dies. And after working years with cancer patients, and certainly observing the patterns of conversations and counseling at a number of different capacities with people, I've just observed that that's exactly what happens. It sounds a little harsh, but that's what happens. You having a background in theology and, of course, discussing and reading many books on philosophy, you had some statements, some things to say about what kind of ideas have shaped my thinking. Correct. Yeah. So it's funny. I didn't know if it was like a Freudian thing, but I saw the Ravi Zacharias books kind of pushed into the corner. Read every one of them. Yeah. I I see that. I don't know if that was like a subtle thing or if that was intentional, but, (laughs) you know, you talked about needing to reorganize the books and I was like, oh, well, it looks like you kind of started a little bit. I followed all his teachings, by the way, for almost 40 years. Yeah. And um, Josh McDowell, of course, was instrumental. Yep. But it wasn't just that. It was the Communist Manifesto. Yep. It was yep. the Federalist Papers. Uh-huh. It was the work of Jay Adams. Yes. So, so it was a lot of different things that shaped my worldview. Absolutely. And, you know, worldview, I'm glad you used that, that term. You know, some people say paradigm, some people say perspective, but it really mm-hmm. comes down to, you know, what presuppositions are we, are we tending to operate with and, and how are we beginning to interpret the world around us? instrumental to to understand the times right now and to displace oh, our, right, our the cultural c- moment is the culmination of many bad ideas uh, a lot of them deriving from 1700s 1800s right like we have neo-marxism right well you notice source and kierkegaard on yes, my show i did i said, said i did most uh, people don't even know who he is there's a lot of people out there who don't know who I think a vast majority of great authors are or people who shaped modern thought kierkegaard is one that i absolutely respect he he changed the way we understand our morality in the modern world. And most people don't know his name. You know, there's a lot of great scholars out there, a lot of great theologians, philosophers. And I think one of my passions is helping people begin to understand the world they're living in and then do that from a biblical perspective, but also then connect the dots. Because I think... Beyond taglines of social media. Yeah, so and... it's the antithesis of Twitter. Exactly. Right? You don't want just a bullet point with zero context. I think... Our world is is becoming more and more. It's weird. There's a. Well, we got. Can I say something about that comment? Because I often put snapshots of lectures, snapshots of research, snapshots of all kinds of things. And my son specifically often discredits them because he says, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, you got that off social media. No, I didn't. Right. I'd listened to 18 hours of this man's work. I'm familiar with his entire worldview. And you're trying and to yes, distill that it was a one snapshot. Yeah. yeah. And they did. They yeah. did lectures. Some yeah. of the best ideas 
that shaped Western culture are free to be had on YouTube, mm-hmm. on the internet. Yeah. And you can literally get a YouTube education. I'm sorry, if you're disciplined enough oh, and you yeah. are in pursuit of truth, there's amazing ideas. So we got to be careful we don't throw the baby right, right, with right, the bathwater. Right. We don't, don't want to, yeah. you know, I, I think all of those social media platforms are mediums, right? And mediums can be abused or they can be used in a way that's actually beneficial for society. Mm-hmm. And so I agree, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, for example, there's several scholars that I love. I, I deeply respect them. You know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the Bible Project. Tim Mackey, wonderful guy. I got to meet him at a conference a couple of years ago. We just nerded out about skateboarding. He has a very similar background. We talked about our passion for helping people understand the biblical text in its context as a narrative. Because the biblical text, and people don't realize this, they think it's Christianity. No, Christianity is the fulfillment of 4,000 years of history. So it's the story of man since the beginning of time. So it's funny, you know, I've been in so many different classes that talk about interpretation or, you know, hermeneutics, right? Science of interpretation, methodology, all these different approaches. And... I've come to this way of describing the biblical text that encapsulates its narrative, but also describes it, I think, in a fair way. Can I put context to what you're about to say? Yes. There's two fundamental worldviews for the sake of our listening audience, because I could sit here right now and talk to you like this for about seven hours, but we only have about 30 minutes. You'll leave us behind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I want to give everyone context. There's two fundamental worldviews. There is a pagan worldview that has... Has, and maybe you can speak to that. And then there is the monotheistic one God ruling and overruling worldview. And they are opposing worldviews. And those are the two mm-hmm. ideas that we're generally always trying to navigate. So, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Can you speak yes. to that for a second? Because yeah. I don't want everybody to think this is just a plug for the Bible. No, no this is no, a, no. this is a, f- this is just a proposition that there is a way to displace Confusion, chaos, and dis-ease congruent with ancient documents that span time. Right. And the two dividing worldviews is a pagan worldview, mm-hmm. many ways to interpret, see, and experience God, or a monotheistic one, intimate, personal, creative force yep. that made us triune like him. Exactly. So, so those are the two. So, so with that, yeah, the, those two worldviews are built upon a whole myriad of presuppositions. And what it comes down to is, how do we make sense of the world around us? Can I say one other thing before you start? The reason distinguishing what we're really looking at, this isn't a bunch of different religions. This is not a a talk about world religions. This is about two fundamental worldviews, the pagan worldview or the one God working worldview, a theistic worldview. worldview. So those are two opposing worldviews. And the reason this is important in displacing confusion, chaos, and dis-ease is because ideas have consequences and the truth of those ideas have consequences. So with that, I'll let you take it. The framework that we, we operate with, right, that's going to drastically affect, right? So I'll put it this way. I'm a big fan of Dallas Willard. Uh, I see his books on your shelf. I'm a big fan. And I sit that and I just get elated. I have a big smile on my face. Dallas Willard had a a lot to write about when it came to making theology practical. And ultimately, what he's talking about was the connection between belief and behavior. And when our beliefs about a particular person or object or the world at large are amiss, we're going to tend to interact with those things in a way that isn't constructive. For example, you know, I use the analogy about my my relationship to the chair that I'm, you know, currently sitting on. And if I didn't have any trust that this chair 
was capable of supporting my weight, my belief, then I wouldn't sit in it. I wouldn't proceed to then act. My belief and my behavior are linked. And, you know, that's just a simple explanation with my relationship with the chair, which is completely innocuous or passive. We just don't often think about those things. But what about when we view other human beings? Or what about when we view the world around us, right? How am I going to interact choices, with choices, right? right? Decisions. Right. Yeah, cause and effect. These, mm-hmm. everything, that we ha- everything that we say or do or think has implications, right? Mm-hmm. And in the Hebrew imagination, for the ancient worldview, the theistic worldview, their sense is that the supernatural world is real. It's not hypothetical. It's, it's real. They're, they're operating with the presupposition that the theological world, the supernatural world, exists and there's a whole host of entities that live in that realm. Among them... They have names. Correct. They have names. There's a whole st- structure in Yahweh, the Hebrew or Israelite God, is the singular God. And he is the creator. In fact, this is the, the context for the term holiness. But it simply means this, that holiness, we sometimes think means purity or moral perfection, at least in modern Western Christianity, that's how it's sometimes communicated. But ultimately, the, the ancient Israel idea is that God is distinct. Holy means holy other or distinct or separate. And in this case, the God of the, the cosmos, the creator, is unique because he is the creator. No other entity could boast to be the creator. And when he calls us to be holy is because he's given us the resources to yes. be literally cut off and set apart mm-hmm. yes. and be unique. Yes. And and what that comes back to is this idea of... It's be, not perfection. Not and perfection. And it's not doing no, everything no, no, no. right. It's about cooperation. That's right. So... With your very constitution, your spirit, your soul, your body that's correct. made like yeah. him. Yeah. So in the biblical imagination, they... they I'm, I'm going to butcher this. I'm not good with other languages. I'm barely great at English, right? So chokmah is the Hebrew term for wisdom. And they don't see it as wisdom the way we think of it, as just the, the download of information. They look at it as practical skillfulness. So it's very much used in a craftsman sort of way. So how do you know whether or not someone is wise? You look at the quality of their work, right? What are they producing? So when we look at the cosmos, then the biblical imagination, it it tends to lead to life. It's functional. It's good. Many different people have contributed to this worldview that I'm, you know, having spent 20 years reading this stuff. The idea is simply this, that God is holy because he's the creator. No one can boast that. And if we're going to learn how to steward the creation, which is the the vocation of humanity, to be images of God, imagers, representatives of God, to cooperate with him, we're going to have to consult him at some point. Well, if we choose not to, it doesn't change the fact that we do consult. We consult with someone. Him. We consult someone or something, but our anatomy, our physiology yeah. is in alignment. It is fine to the universe and everything in it mm-hmm. is fine tuned to sustain my biological yeah, life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if we, that's why we always talk about laws of nature, mm-hmm. things that are self evident and speak to our natural mm-hmm. affection, because it's only the will of man that has the liberty to choose to collaborate, cooperate or not. Mm -hmm. But our very anatomy and our physiology, the consequence of how everything operates independently, dependent on each other is the fruit of that design. Yeah. Right. Did that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Yeah. We we can talk later even about how that, everything you just said is is baked into Genesis one and two. That's all. hundred percent. Yeah. That's Uh, why when you look at the scriptures, it's mm -hmm. a story of man. 
Absolutely. So it's a story of man. This it's not about Christianity. Exactly. This is what I was going to say earlier. Alone. It's a rather poetic way of describing the biblical text, but it's the story of how God wants to partner with humanity produced between the partnership of God and humanity. He made us for his pleasure. Correct. <clears throat> it's yeah. a desire. It's a love story. To be honest with you, not to get cheesy, but no, go for it. I think that the story of humanity and the narratives that we have individually and corporately in time are really the epic love story of all time. Mm-hmm. Because everybody listening has heard that quiet, still voice saying, wait, you were meant for more than this. Right. You were meant for more than this. Absolutely. And that is that invisible heartstring we talked about at the day of rest right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That is intuitively, and we have knowledge of it, is connected to mm-hmm. God. Yeah, absolutely. And this idea that you just brought up about we were meant for more, the question is, do we know what it is and how do we pursue it? And then once we've discovered what that might be, how do we do it well? Right? Those are important questions. Yeah, but they're important questions. But as, even as I'm hearing you speak, I'm so excited because I think it's all there. Oh, it's certainly. all there. The yeah. story of us mm-hmm. is in this amazing ancient document. Mm-hmm. Somebody said it has all kinds of errors and it's not substantiated. And I thought, are you kidding? I don't want to go back to my early years of apologetics because they're right, right. literally <laughs> inconsequential. I think the most beautiful apologetic and defense for an intimate personal creator God is our very anatomy, our physiology. Absolutely. It's the brain Absolutely. and how it works in response to my mind, my heart, my will, my conscience, my soul. Yeah. And the power that man has, how we really are made in the image of a living God who says, no, I want you to be like me Mm -hmm. and enjoy me. And part of that is for you to understand the consequence of your decisions. I gave you full liberty to do whatever you want. And then that'll determine the measure of freedom you live with or not, right? So when you talked about Willard, going back to him, because I love Dallas Willard, but the connection between beliefs and behavior, that Mm -hmm. is such a a beautiful story. And I don't think anybody wrote about it quite like he did because he was so practical. Well, it's so fascinating because I believe he came from a Baptist background. And if you go and you look at his, you know, postgraduate work, you would not expect that he's a Baptist. Mm -mm. He's very much emphasizing the effort of humanity. You know what? I think part of spiritual maturity is putting all this nonsense aside and going back to the whole council of this original text Absolutely. that's substantiated by thousands of ancient manuscripts, Correct. right? So without error. I agree. So here's, here's what's funny. I think this is probably a shameless plug. I apologize, but there's a, there's a scholar who, who deeply affected me in a, in a profound way over the last eight years. He passed away recently. Dr. Michael S. Heiser. I'm not sure if you're familiar no. with him. I think you'd love him. Just hearing you discuss supernatural worldview He's probably one of the foremost recent scholars to discuss all of this. He has a book called The Unseen Realm that he published back in 2015. Mm, he wrote he it. wrote a book on angels, on demons. He wrote a more practical book for, for helping people intro into all of this theology stuff called What Does God Want? Okay, and can I say can I just say something real quick? Sure, Not sure. to take you off track. I oh. can just talk to you all day, by oh, the I'm way. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, when you talk about his work with angels and demons, uh-huh. I want to tell everybody, I just want to make a plug for how amazing... The times we're living in are because I just would refer you to the Grammys, Balenciaga, no, no. No? because there (laughs) it is right there. Five on display, five minute worship of Baal, period, end of story. Mm -hmm. And they're not even shy about it. By the way, I found out that in Boston right here coming up in um, April, I think, or May 
2023 this year, they're going to have the largest satanic convention ever in the history of the satanic church in America. Oh dear. So we're living in the, in a really dark time in a post, yeah, yeah, in a post Christian era. Mm -hmm. And there will be a clash of these worldviews and we better know which side we stand on. Here's what's interesting about that. But it's happening. So in spite of the darkness though, right? We have an opportunity to really choose this day who you're going to serve. Right. Yeah. Deuteronomy worldview is absolutely important to this. And something you mentioned there, you know, I, I don't want to sound all gloom and doom and it's like, oh, you know, pick your side. We're, you know, you know, get no, in the it's battle. just making right. choices. Right, right, right. So there was a, a conversation I was having with a, a friend recently who was talking about this in a very almost doomed paradigm. Mm. Like he felt defeated. And I was like, no, remember wh- whose side you're on, right? Like you're, you're already on the side that's victorious. Yeah, you're going to probably have to live through some ugly stuff in this world here and now. But that's not the end for you. Your hope is in a biblical worldview according to one. There's only the one creator God and Satan never claims to be the creator God. Correct. And he can't. So here's what's fascinating. Uh, that's right. Something we talked about in terms of the manifestation of this conflict in the social sphere was he's talking about how, you know, all these evils are proliferating and becoming more explicit in the world. I was like, but you also have to remember that as society is becoming more and more polarized, both sides are growing. Yeah. Well, not just Jesus the said, side, the good I am growing. the chief yeah. cornerstone Correct. and of my kingdom, there is mm-hmm. no end. Not Correct. only that, I'm the fulfillment of 4,000 years yeah. of very well recorded history. Absolutely. So he wasn't just a person who stepped into time. Not a random guy. Not a random guy. And you can't understand Christianity or who this person, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, was if you don't understand 4,000 years of well documented world history. Absolutely. If you don't understand that, you have no context for what's happening in the world today. Right. What's happening in the Middle East, what's mm-hmm. happening with Russia, what's yep. happening with Ukraine, what's happening with China, which, by the way, the end of this book clearly speaks of the consequence of these ideas throughout time. Right. When we talk about the consequence of ideas yeah. in the context of the confusion, chaos, and yeah, disease yeah. of our time, and the teachings, for example, of Dallas Willard yep. and this other gentleman in the, of the unseen realms, mm-hmm. the reason that material becomes so important because their worldviews emerge from being scholars of these ancient documents. Correct. And the relevance of that in time for people that are not well read is, hey, do not be afraid. Right. I told you these things were going to happen. I said this is what's going to happen. And what what is developing right before our eyes is this beautiful display of the value Right. Mm-hmm. And the principles of these conflicting ideas played out before time. And we get to choose what we're comfortable with, what we're not. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even beyond that, I think even beyond comfort level, we, we sometimes I mean, and again, I'm going to do the, the biblical scholar thing. I'm going to, you know, push towards a biblical worldview, even in our discomfort. Right. Scripture is pretty clear on the idea that we are meant to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. That's one of the promises given to us in the New Testament. And the idea that we're pushed beyond our comfort zones is something that I think scares us. Well, we can't hear that other voice. Right. Until God is all you have, you'll never know he's all you need. Mm. Right. Because it's what happens at the end of our comfort zone and at the beginning of our despair that we hear this foreign sometimes or alien voice that says, psst, psst, over here. And what's beautiful about that voice is it's familiar. Mm-hmm. It's not right. the first time we've heard right. it. And that's, that is the Holy Spirit, which is a person, by the way, that indwells. 
Right. And, you know, maybe even to, as, a, as a point of reference. That works in time. Yeah. It, maybe even as like a point of reference for, for the audience or wh- whoever might be listening who says, oh, that's all kind of weird. I'm not sure what to do with that. You know, I remember when I was very young in my faith, I was, I was very young, uh, maybe 19 years old. I remember sitting in my room, I'd been reading my Bible, trying to make sense of it. And, you know, this is a long time ago, more than 20 years ago. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, God, I I feel like I hear something. So if you're there, please just make yourself apparent to me. I want to know that I'm actually listening to you and hearing you and not some other thing. Is it just my imagination or, you know, et cetera? What, What could it be? And I remember this sensation came and it said something to the effect of, why would I choose to communicate with you in a way you wouldn't understand? That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm not the God of confusion. I am the God of peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. That's a great note to close on. Mm-hmm. Foundational to rest. Yeah. Essential to displace confusion, chaos, and disease. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing some of these ideas and just really bringing home the the concept, the point that ideas have consequences mm-hmm. and we need to have the faith, the courage, the strength to understand that there's laws that govern the universe. So if there's laws, there's a lawgiver. Correct. And if there's a lawgiver, he's going to provide opportunities in your lifetime to either align yourself with that structure or not. And this is a beautiful time to be alive. Closing thoughts. Oh man, there's so many. First, just say thank you for just giving me the opportunity to have a fun conversation. I could do fun this all day. Fun conversation. Man, like this is just, I mean, it's just enjoyable, thoroughly enjoyable. I'm elated. But aside from that, I think one of the most important things anybody can begin to understand is that there really is a, a theological worldview out there that will help make sense of, of what we see in the world. Mm-hmm. And you don't and have to be afraid. You don't right? have to be afraid. And, you know, for anybody who might be more technically or scientifically minded, I think if they did a study on the history of how we got the scientific principles and methodologies, they'd be surprised to find that the vast majority of who we have today that's promoting science are actually the theists. Uh, and we, it was the birth of science that are the theists. Correct. Mm-hmm. Birth science. Yeah, we, we wouldn't have hospitals. We wouldn't have most of what we have today. By the way, primarily because they knew there was order in the universe and they saw design. So if there's correct. order, there's design, there has well, to be an order giver, a designer, discussing right? Discussing this at lunch today that Were you? The, the premise of, of the scientific mindset was we believe there is a God. There's order to the cosmos. We want to see how this God ordered the cosmos. It must make sense. Let's go discover what he did. Yeah. Oh. I love it. And your very anatomy bears witness of this and your natural affections. Absolutely. Woo! <laughs> thank you. So fun. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Natalie. All right, everyone. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.